Man, I want to share from here, and I want to talk about what's going to happen during the tribulation while we're in heaven. How many want to know what's going to go on while we're up there? Amen. So we're going to be there, and we're not going to be here, thank God. So I want to talk a little bit about that tonight from Scripture. And I also want to share with you tonight some things that you might be thinking and wondering about how things are going to take place to the very best of my ability scripturally. Because the bottom line is God does leave some for our imagination. Amen? Hebrews chapter 12. Give me an amen when you get there. And actually, I'm going to do this backwards. We're going to change, we're going to change gears. I'm going to, I'm going to split my notes in half and do this backwards. Give me a second. We will go to Hebrews eventually. How many are ready for the word of God? Father, we pray for your word tonight. We ask you to anoint it. We ask you to touch our hearts, our minds, and our spirits. Lord, we love you tonight with a fervent love, Father God. We thank you for the peace that's in this place, the joy that's in this place, the the presence of God that's in this place. We ask you to just bind every spirit that would try to rise up against your word tonight lord we thank you for revival all around the world tonight we we pray father god for an outpouring of your presence tonight lord in these last days pour your spirit out and let souls be saved all over the world for your glory father in jesus name we pray amen i want to talk tonight about uh before i get to this other part that when we get to heaven we are going to recognize each other some, I think some people don't really understand and, and some of it might just be not knowing or some of it might be fear or some of it might be uh, not sure and uh, they, they wonder, you know, maybe we, get, we, get, we go to heaven and then we just start over and we won't be with our family and we won't be with our friends and there's a lot of people that don't really know uh, what's going to happen because like I said, there is a lot to be uh, unknown and by mystery that God is going to reveal to us there that is not doctrinally important but I want to I want to uh, have you go with, with me to some scriptures real quick to to just get you excited about looking forward to being there amen as we've been talking so much about what's going to happen on the earth and and that we don't want to be here and all these different things and that we believe that we're the bride of Christ I think it's important that we kind of talk about uh, why we want to be there besides just the fact that we don't want to be here What's going to be go- going on there? So let's jo- go to Genesis chapter 25. Actually, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm throwing you around so much. I'm not even going to have you go to these scriptures right here. I just want you to write them down. So I'm not going to take very long on them. But you'll have to trust me that it says these on these. You can read them later for time. Because I do want to show you some scriptures in a second. Right in the very beginning of the Bible, we see that God says to Abraham, in, when he passes away and goes into, uh, he, he dies and goes into eternity. Genesis 25, 8 says this. Listen to these words. He says, Abraham breathed his last breath, died in a good old age, and was gathered to his people. Amen? Gathered to his people. So we know there that uh, he's, he's not uh, in soul sleeps like some people might think. He is gathered to his people and he is with his people. Who's his people? All his family uh, bef- that, that died before him. All his people. Anybody who had put their faith in the Lord. 
he's gathered to those not gathered to those obviously who had denied the Lord but those who had believed in him how many remember the story in uh, of David when David sinned and when he sinned he uh, lost his baby he prayed and he fasted that he would not lose that baby and that baby was born and uh, he prayed and fasted and the baby ended up dying how many remember that story well, I want to tell you something really cool right here. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 23, it says, David said these words. He said, I will go to him, but he will not return to me. Okay? Now think about those words. I will go to him, but he will not return to me. That means that he expected to see his son again. And he expected to recognize his son, although he was just a baby boy newborn baby when he died y'all following that that he expected to see him again and he expected to recognize him again now we go to a very big story one of the most clear in the bible in luke chapter 16 19 through 31 which is the story of lazarus and the rich man this is one of the most amazing stories in the bible because if you notice, it says Lazarus and the rich man. Now, Lazarus went to heaven and the rich man went to hell. Lazarus was obviously rich and, or sorry, uh, the rich man was obviously rich and Lazarus was not. That doesn't mean that uh, someone who's rich can't go to heaven. It doesn't mean that somebody who's poor deserves better to be in heaven. It means they individually rejected or accepted Jesus Christ. It has nothing to do uh, that you'll have people that will take that and run with a doctrine and say that no rich people are going to get in heaven because Jesus said it was hard and that poor people are going to get there and we have to take a vow of poverty, all kinds of crazy stuff like that. That's not what he's trying to show. Um, can someone turn this monitor off? It's buzzing up here. And then also, on that note, the best thing about it is, notice that Lazarus has a name and the rich man doesn't. Think about that. Why does Lazarus have a name? And why doesn't the rich man have a name? Why is he just called the rich man? Did God not know his name? Did he, did, he, could he, did he forget it? Was it not important? Well, we know that when we're saved, our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And if they're not written in the Lamb's book of life, he says, I never knew you. So Lazarus' name's there, and the rich man's not. Why? Because the rich man went to hell. And we see a picture in the old, of the Old Testament paradise in this parable that he goes down and it shows Lazarus and the rich man in, the, in, in, in a picture. And he is there with Abraham in Abraham's bosom. He's there with all the saints. And the Bible says he looks across an abyss. And Lazarus, or so the rich man says to Lazarus, can you bring me some water that I could just dip my finger in water and put it on my tongue? Is how he's suffering. But we see there that they recognize each other. That's what I want you to see more than anything. They recognize each other. Okay? They, Lazarus is called out to by the rich man because in the story the Bible says that uh, Lazarus would eat the crumbs of the rich man's uh, food and he had much wealth and much things and then so they knew each other on earth he was that that beggar that poor man didn't have no food and so he knew the rich man the rich man knew Lazarus and in hell 
for Lazarus, for the rich man, and heaven for the for Lazarus, they recognized each other. Okay? This is proving to us that in heaven we will recognize each other. How many have lost a child in the womb or a young baby? Any here? Me and my wife can raise our hands. Aren't you excited to meet that person? Amen. I believe we have a son. We were going to name him Caleb. We lost, we lost him uh, as in a miscarriage. And, and I believe he's up there and he's just waiting and waiting and waiting to meet mommy and daddy and his sisters. Amen. How many know that we're going to recognize each other when we get there? We're going to know each other. And we saw that from, I forgot to mention that with David. Now, another part is, and this is another very vivid illustration in Matthew 17, verses 3 and 4. How many remember the story of the Mount of Transfiguration? Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up on the mountain with him, and all of a sudden he transfigures into, into a glorious body, but with him is who? Abraham, huh? And Elijah. Amen? And so why, how do we know that we're going to recognize each other? They had already died, and when they transfigured in that mount of transfiguration watch this peter james and john recognized them think about this not only did they recognize them but there's going to be spiritual supernatural recognition in heaven that we're going to recognize people we don't even know because peter james and john had never met them yet they looked up and peter said hey we need to build a tabernacle for them he was having a moment. I mean, he got excited when he saw them, and he said, we need to build a tabernacle for them right now. We need, to, we need to do something. He got all excited. You can read the story later. But the amazing thing is, is that Peter, James, and John recognized them with Jesus, and they had already died, and they were in their glorified bodies. Okay? Here's another one. 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, this is, to me, the best part, says, we will be like him, for we shall see him as he is. What a promise. We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Isn't that amazing that this God of the universe will let us be like him? Amen. He's not going to have us uh, down below, uh, just always just down. He wants us to be with him. He says we shall be with him and we shall be like him. John 20, 16 and 20 says, now watch this. John, sorry, when Jesus came back from the dead in a glorified body, how many remember Jesus rose from the dead and didn't just ascend into heaven automatically? How long did he stay on the earth? 40 days. He was on the earth in his glorified body. Amen? He appeared to uh, his disciples, and we even saw that he, he could just show up all of a sudden. He just showed up where they were. He first showed up walking with the two men. Later on, he showed up where Thomas wanted to see him so Thomas could do what? Touch him. So he was in a glorified body, but he was able to be touched. He ate fish. He hugged him. He loved on them. He spent time with them. And the Bible says he appeared to over 500 people in his glorified body, which is a picture of the millennial reign. When we will come back to the earth and be on this earth, but in a glorified body. Did somebody just catch that? I hope that didn't go over your head. 
What are we going to do in the millennial reign? Jesus had come back. He was interacting with human beings in a glorified body, eating with them and fellowship with them, and that's a picture of the millennial reign. Okay? So I hope that that, that part gives you some, some assurance that we're going to know each other up there. Now, I mentioned this last night, and I want to mention it again. We will not know who is not there. That's very important. You have to understand that the Bible says there'll be no more sorrow, no more tears in heaven. There'll be, we will not know, in other words, what family members, God forbid, what friends, God forbid, don't make it. We won't know that they're not there. We will only recognize those who are there. And the spiritual part of Peter, James, and John being able to recognize them without seeing them with their eyes shows you there's a spirituality to it and a supernatural power of recognition. Amen? All right, now get, just smile at me for a second. This is a good message, amen? All right, this isn't one of those deep things, man. I'm just trying to excite you a little bit. But now let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. And I want to show you something really awesome about how the Word of God just, just pulls things so much together. We talked last night, and I think it might be even, let, let's, I wasn't even going to read this, but let's read this, verse 1 of chapter 12. You there? Hebrews chapter 12. This says, therefore, this is neat, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Before we read on, I wanted you to see verse 1 where he said, we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. I believe that, that there's things that can be seen from heaven down to earth. I believe that, that they, uh, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not making a doctrine of that. I just believe that that's what that can mean. And that we can, we can uh, have our loved ones up there cheering us on. I believe our loved ones are as eager to see us again as we are to see them. Amen. And I believe that there's a, there's, I believe that just as much excitement as we have down here on the earth right now about the possibility of going to be with our Lord, I believe they're just as excited in heaven. I believe, you know, it's like whenever we go to conference, if you've been to conference, there's such an excitement about going to conference leading up to conference and you and those that have not been those sorry those that have been to conference know what knows what it's like and and you already are just like man this is this is going to be awesome even though i've been there it's going to be awesome i already know part of it but i also don't know exactly what's going to take place you got other people who've never been to a conference and they're excited too but they're a little nervous because they don't really know what's going to happen heaven and and the rapture and spending time with the lord is going to be like conference it's going to be like that gathering together. Amen. Some of you have been going for six or seven years. And when we get there, you go and you give hugs to people and you say hi to people and you're looking for people that you know. It's a gathering together of people. And of course, if you haven't been to conference, you can think of a family reunion. You can think of whatever. You can think of just when you come to church and you're looking forward to seeing your brothers and sisters. And this, this is, I've always told you, this is practice for heaven. This is practice, the gathering together of the saints. And, and you got a whole bunch of people out there that don't get this. 
They think they can just sit there and watch TV, TBN on TV and be at church. That defeats the purpose. God said he wanted us to gather together because we're not going to be looking at screens in heaven. We're going to be together and we're going to be worshiping God and we're going to be uh, around each other, amen, and the Bible says every tongue, every tribe, every race is going to be there. And that's why our church is mixed tonight, amen. I feel sorry for the whites and the blacks and the Hispanics that don't have anybody else in their church because all of a sudden they're going to have to be around them all the time. Amen. We don't, we don't, we're going to have no problem at all because we're already doing that. This is a picture of heaven. Do you see that? We have a gathering place. We have an appointed time and an appointed place, and we do things that are practice for heaven. Worship is practice for heaven. Gathering together is practice for heaven. Now watch this. This is, I believe tonight some of you have never seen this before. How many like new stuff? I believe, not everybody, I believe there's some that have seen it as well, but I believe some of you, especially you new converts, you new babies in the Lord, will have never seen this before, and it will excite you. So in Hebrews 12, we see this uh, cloud of witnesses. And then I want you to go to verse um, 12. Give me an amen when you're there. Same, same chapter. This is kind of some, some preparation preaching from the Bible to, to us as it was them. And it says, therefore strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet. So what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all people and holiness, which without no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up, cause, causing trouble. And by this, many have become defiled, lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected for no place for, 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 he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. I want you to back up just a couple verses again, real quick. Y'all here? This is a picture right here, right here in front of us of of what you could see in the mentality and the attitudes of somebody who did not take God seriously and did not go to heaven. Do y'all follow me? You, you can see that. that. That's not us tonight. We're searching. We're seeking. We're, we're looking for holiness. We're walking in holiness. He's talking to somebody who's playing with God. Okay? I want to reiterate to you again tonight that we don't have to be walking in fear that, man, if I, am I good enough? No, you're not. Am I holy enough? No, you're not. Are you worthy enough? No, you're not. No one is. God's looking for an attitude and a heart and a spirit that loves him and that is trying their very best to serve and please the Lord. And he knows we're all going to fall short. There's a big difference between that and somebody who's just, just doing whatever they want and doesn't care. That's what he's saying here. And so he's showing us a picture. Watch this. He's showing us a picture of how we can be defiled if we allow sin to come into our lives and root itself. He says, don't let that bitterness come in. He says, root of bitterness. That means it's been there for a while and you haven't dealt with it. 
and, and, and things have, uh, have been creeping in and coming in and it's not being dealt with. And those are, the, those are the people that are in danger, that are not dealing with their sins and are not confessing their sins and not saying, Lord, help me be like you. Because look what it says here. Then it goes on to say, Esau made that mistake and he says, afterward. How many people after the rapture, after they die and stand before God, are going to be weeping in tears, repenting? He's, he, he, it's not, we have to understand this is a picture. It's not that Esau could not have been saved. It's that he waited till after it was too late to repent. Amen. Y'all see that? And so this is a picture of what happens right before we get up. Now, let's look now at verse 18. This is, this is where it gets really exciting. For you have not come to the mountain that may be touched and that burned with fire and to blackness and darkness and tempest and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words so that those who heard it begged that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. If you don't know what this is talking about, this is a, a, a type of the Old Testament when Moses went up the mountain to get the Ten Commandments and it was a picture of the rapture. Okay? And then he says here, for they did not endure what was commanded, and if so much as a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned or shot with an arrow. God was mad because while he was up there, while Moses was up there getting the Ten Commandments, which is a picture of Jesus going up to heaven while we live on earth, what did they do? Made a golden calf, worshipped idols, acted like fools. And so the anger of God came down from the mountain. He said, if anybody touches this mountain, they'll die. Why? Because he was mad that they were desecrating the things of God while he was up there getting the commands. So this is a picture. And so we see here, that. so all that happens, but watch this. It says it was so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I am exceedingly afraid and trembling. So that's a type and a picture. Now watch, this is where it gets cool though. But, say but. How many are ready to just have the but comma in your life be with Jesus? How many are ready for that? But God. But the grace of God. But the mercy of God. When you really, really begin to fall in love with the Lord and you really begin to be in a place, you know, right now, after Feast of Trumpets, before the Day of Atonement in the Jewish, uh, uh, Jewish um, traditions, this was the days of awe, A-W-E. This was the days of repentance. This was the days of reflection. And what you do when you begin to reflect on your life, you know what you do when you really, honestly, let me just throw this out there for you in case you're like wondering, God, is my heart right? Listen, when you begin to search your heart, it doesn't matter how good you're living, when you begin to search your heart, what you begin to realize is it's nothing but the grace of God that I am saved. It is nothing but the mercy of God that I'm saved. God, thank you for your mercy. We need to be crying out to God and saying, God, thank you for your mercy that you chose me and that I chose you. And I said, yes, thank you. Don't, don't try to figure a bunch of things out. Just say, God, thank you for your mercy that's new every morning and that your grace is sufficient for me. Okay, so, but, watch this. This is the cool part. You have come.
come. Now, let me say this real quick. The verses we just read were a look back to the past. The verses we're going to read now are a look to the future. To heaven. Okay? Watch this. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. Y'all all right? All right, I'm just going to act like y'all are excited. Let me read that again. Y'all are in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22, right? Okay, okay, I thought maybe you'd be in Revelations 12 where it's talking about something bad or something. Okay, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God. See, I don't, get, I don't think you're getting it yet. When we're reading this, I'm trying to take you to where we're going to be. We're already there. We're going to be there. We're there. Okay. Okay. This isn't like a what if. This is now because of the grace of God, because of the blood of Jesus, because we put our faith in him, because we believe he's the Lord, this is going to happen. We're going to go up to heaven, to the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, watch this, and to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven to God the judge of all watch this and to the spirits of just men made perfect to just men made perfect see we're not going to be perfect until we're in heaven and we're standing before God right now we're just just men and we're not really even just in ourselves we're just because of his justification amen and it says when we get there and when we stand in this cloud of angels in this innumerable amount of angels the bible says we'll be in the new jerusalem the mount zion and it says we'll be with the general assembly it'll be like conference in the church of the first born who are registered in heaven and the just to sorry to the spirits of the just men made perfect amen now watch this. General assembly means, in the Greek word, penagoras, uh, a mass gathering of people. A mass gathering of people. Can you imagine tonight, just imagine with me what a mass gathering of people is. Let's just throw out tonight that, and let's go high instead of low. Let's say that one billion people People, when the rapture happens and the trumpet sounds are going to go into heaven can you imagine what one billion people looks like in one place add to that all the saints for the last 2,000 years who have been saved that are going to die, come out of the graves first the dead in Christ shall rise first then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up in the air to meet him in the air can you imagine the amount of people that are going to be in that gathering the mass gathering of the firstborn of the saints of God why are we the firstborn first Corinthians 15 20 says but now Christ is risen from the dead and becomes the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep look at the correlation for since by man came death by man also came the resurrection of the dead 
For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order, it says, Christ the firstfruits, and afterward those who are Christ's at his coming. You see that? It says that the gathering together of the people in heaven, Mount Zion, that holy place, the, the, the heavenly Jerusalem, is going to be a gathering of people together who are the firstborn, the church of the firstborn. Listen, that during the tribulation, those that are going to be saved are not going to be the church of the firstborn. This is the church age. And once the church age ends with the rapture of the church, there is no longer a church age again. Those are now called tribulation saints. Those people are going to be saved and they're going to, go to, uh, they're going to be part of the millennial reign, but they're not going to be, listen, at the marriage supper of the Lamb. We want to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Can you say amen? We want to be married to Christ. We don't want to miss out on the wedding. And tonight we're the bride. And we're watching and waiting to gather together. It's just like waiting for the plane to come or the train to come. We're just waiting for the, for the gathering together to have the most amazing conference or church service or family reunion that we've ever had in our lives, church. We can't compare it. And it's going to be amazing. That's what we're looking for. There's four places mentioned in heaven. I want to run through this to get to one last thing. Number one is the holy temple, where the throne of God is. This is in the book of Revelation. The ark of his covenant, seven golden lampstands, a rainbow around the throne. God is explained in, in the Revelation. Listen, they couldn't even, me and Brian were standing outside looking up today at the sky. It was beautiful blue sky. Clouds seemed like they were almost touchable. Anybody else look up at the sky today? I was just like, I just want to jump up on a cloud. We're looking up there, and all of a sudden a plane, I mean, it was way up, it was way above the clouds. We saw a plane. And I said, I said what I said last night. I said, could you imagine 100 years ago, somebody telling our great-grandparents that someday somebody was going to be sitting up 35,000 feet in the air in a tube? Can you imagine that? They wouldn't even know how to imagine that. They wouldn't even know how to, how to comprehend that. And as I'm looking up there, I, I told Brian, see, this is exactly what happened in the book of Revelation. They're trying to describe something they see in the future with their understanding of today. I said, whoa, there goes a, a lizard in the sky. There, go, I, there goes a, a grasshopper in the sky. We're trying to describe what it was in our, you know, those kind of words. How do you describe something you've never seen? So John the Revelator tries to describe God. And the only words he can come up with are jasper and sardius and emerald. He, he, that's all he could say. He, he, he described precious stones. That was all he could say. I thought I might get a hallelujah there, but you guys are asleep. 24 thrones with 24 elders that are the prophets and the apostles of old age. Already up there lightnings and thunders the bible says are in the temple seven lamps of fire now listen to this it says there's a sea of glass like crystal a sea of glass like crystal now let's picture a sea how big is a sea 
so far you can't see the other side. He's trying to, 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 to orate the, and get it out of his words what he's trying to describe. And he says, I see a sea of glass like crystal. There's no picture in the world that could even describe what he's trying to see. Number two, second place in heaven, mansions. Man, oh, finally got y'all excited. Wow, okay. Okay, the throne didn't get you excited. The temple didn't get you excited. The gathering didn't get you excited. John 14, 1, let your heart not be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you. If I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and sorry, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be also hallelujah amen that is what we are looking forward to that he has been building mansions and they're in heaven and i want to remind you again that if we're going to be on this earth for a millennial reign if we don't go in the rapture and spend that time during the tribulation in heaven when are we going to get to the mansions those mansions are waiting for us you can almost picture them like a resort hotel during the seven years of the tribulation. We're going to come back to this earth again, guys. We're going to be back on this earth again. I kind of like to stay up in heaven, but it's what God wants to do. So I'm, I'll run with it. Amen? But we're going to be back here on the earth. And for, but for seven years, it's almost like we're taking a little vacation. I know nobody in here likes vacation. I know, but nobody likes to go on vacation. Some are experts at vacation, amen? Some are better than others at vacation. How does anybody not like vacation? Okay. The only bad thing about vacation is that you need a vacation from vacation when you get back, right? Because you're so worn out of being vacationed. So worn out of running and doing and going. And But this is going to be a vacation. It's going to be an exciting time and you can look at those mansions like a resort and I guarantee you there ain't no resort on this earth we can even compare to what that's going to look like can you say amen nothing can even compare to what it's going to look like third place is paradise second Corinthians 12 now I want I want to throw this in right here and get you to understand that words cannot describe heaven we, we can't. I, I put a thing up today, if you saw it on Instagram, and I've said it many, many times, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it even entered the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for us. Second Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 2, 9. You can't even, our words don't go there. How many have ever seen, is it night at the museum? The guy that runs the museum? How he talks? That's how someone would have to try to explain heaven. He just talks, but he never gets anything out. He just, he just fumbles over his words and he'll try to say a sentence and when he's done, he's not said nothing. That's what they would take, that would be like if someone's trying to describe heaven. Words don't describe it. There's no way. We'll need a glorified body and a glorified mind to be able to comprehend what we're seeing when we get to heaven. We won't, because if we were to see it right, you realize if we saw it right now, it would pop out. They would. We would probably faint 
Do you realize that someone can't even be in the presence of God in a physical body? They would die. That's why no one's ever seen his face. But we will eventually see his face. We will see him face to face. Amen? And it says in paradise, listen, Paul writes this very interesting thing. Now, I want to I relate this. Remember that Paul is the only one in the Bible that had the blessing and the grace of God to have the vision of the rapture. He was the only one. And he said, behold, I show you a mystery. Now watch this in check, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. You there? Verse 1. It is doubtless not profitable for me to vote, boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. What he's trying to say there is I've got, I've got a lot of revelations. I've had a lot of visions. He's basically saying I could boast if I want to. He could probably, he's probably saying if I want to, I could show you, tell you all kinds of things. I could, I could show you all kinds of things the Lord showed me. But he's saying God's not allowing me to because I'm just writing what God tells me to write. Okay? And then he says... Uh, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows, such a one was caught up to the third heaven. Now we've heard of these stories today. And I know such a man. He's saying, I know firsthand of a man who has gone to heaven. That's what he's saying. And he says, and I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. He says it again. God knows. Watch this. And how he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. He says, this is so great and so amazing that I'm not even permitted by God to tell you what he saw. So that answers the question why many times we all ask, God, why don't you show us more of heaven? Why don't you reveal more to us of what it's going to be like? Because, listen, God is amazing God. And he knows that m many of you like surprises. I believe there's some people in here that love to be surprised. Good surprises, of course. And it just makes you so happy to not know anything till you get there. Right? And God is doing that to us. He wants us to desire it so much. And if he, even if he tried to explain it to us, our minds wouldn't catch it. There's some, there's some uh, definition and description in Revelation. There's a little bit there. But I think this is amazing that the man, the same man that said the rapture's a mystery says this man that I know him and he goes over and over again says I don't know if he physically went or he spiritually went he says I know he had a vision and he went to paradise he went into the third heaven and he had such inexpressible words I cannot even repeat them they're top secret and the only way you get to hear them is to go you got to be there amen how many want to be there Last one, the new Jerusalem. I'm not going to go into this because it's there. You read it later. Not now, later. Revelation 21. All I'll tell you is that the city is made of pure gold. Pure gold. Now, I want to end with this. I want you to go to Revelation chapter 19. I hope you're excited about the place. 
Revelation 19. Listen, heaven, you know, my wife knows this, my daughters know this. I haven't preached much about heaven in my entire ministry because there's not much to preach on. For that very reason, God is wanting us. Now, now, Jesus talked more about hell than he did heaven for the purpose of he does not want anyone to go there. He's very descriptive about heaven. He mentioned it's, it's, it's a fact that he talked more about hell than he did heaven in description. But he's wanting us to imagine, you know, the song, the song that was written that's become one of the most biggest songs ever was perfectly written. I can only imagine. Isn't that an awesome song? Think about it. There's just no way to describe it. And, and, and really, that was the best words they could ever say. I can only imagine. Will I, will I stand in his presence? Will I fall to my knees? Will I sing hallelujah? What will I? I don't know. We'll just have to find out. Robert said it at prayer. We're like kids just waiting. We're expecting. And all we do know for sure is it's going to be amazing. Right before we read Revelation, I was thinking of this true story of a missionary who for 50 years in difficult places of the world went around and fed the poor, started churches, preached the gospel, ended up losing his wife on the mission field, almost died himself. If, you knew, if, I, if I told you the name, you'd know the missionary. Very famous missionary. It doesn't matter the name, though. In his weaning years, in his late years, he wants to go, he's, he's on the mission field and he's coming home after 50 years of being on the mission field. And they're on this ship. This is back when there wasn't even planes yet. They're on this ship. Or there might have been planes, but they didn't come on a plane. I don't know why they came on a ship. Maybe it was cheaper. They were on a boat. Big one though. Like, not really a cruise, but that idea. And as they're getting to the port of the city that they're coming home to, there's a celebrity on the, on the boat. And so the, some, they, they began to tell everybody on the boat, as soon as we dock, everybody's got to wait because this celebrity's got to, she's got like a, um, uh, an interview and we need to let her get off the, off the boat first and they're going to talk to her. And, and, and so that happened. They, they docked the ship. And this man is, is in his last days. He's, he's dying. He's old. He's just wanting to go home. See his family if there's anybody there. So they're waiting. Everybody's waiting. She gets off. All this fanfare happens. And then they go on. The lady goes on ahead of everybody. And then they start letting people off. The son gets off with his father. He's in a wheelchair. He wheels him off the boat. And they begin to come down the side of the boat. And they're looking to see who's there to welcome him. 50 years of being a missionary. Nobody's there. Nobody. Not one person is there to wait for him and to receive him from the mission field. And his son gets angry and says, Dad, this is not fair. This girl who who does nothing is famous and she gets all this fanfare and the boat stops for her and all this stuff happens and Dad, you've been on the mission field for 50 years. Your mom died there. You almost died there. You have done everything that you can think of for the Lord. And here you are. We come home. And no one's here. 
And that's, that dad looks up at his son and smiles and says, son, I'm not home yet. I'm not home yet. How many know tonight we're not home yet? This is not our home. The Bible says to be with him is home. And in Revelation 19, verse 6, you there? It says, I heard, as it were, a voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters and as the sound of mighty thunderings, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Now, if you didn't know, the word Alleluia is in every language in the world. Let us be glad and rejoice. Watch this. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the lamb has come. And his wife has made herself ready. That's you and me. And to her, it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen. I tried to look on Google what fine linen was. I just know it's real expensive and really nice. And that's what we're going to be dressed in. I thought I, was, I wanted to give you some kind of idea. I couldn't find nothing worthy. I'm sure there is something. If someone finds it, let me know. I wanted to give like a price of what it costs and all that kind of stuff, but it didn't happen. Fine linen. Clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Stay with me. Then he said, key words here. Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. The last thing that's going to happen during the tribulation down here is we're going to be heaven in heaven up there. And we're going to celebrate the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, I don't have to ask you to raise your hand. I know there's some people in here, and I'm one of them that like to eat. And if Jesus says supper, I'm there. Amen. 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 Ring the dinner bell. I'm there. For those of you that don't like food too much, those few of you, amen, that don't like food too much, if there is anyone in here, I'm sure there'll be something else amazing for you while we're eating, okay? But there's going to be everything you can possibly think of to eat, I hope and pray, up there during the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, I want to show you something important. I'm closing with this. The next thing that happens after, the, now, I can't really even describe to you the marriage supper of the Lamb because, again, there's no words. But if you've ever been to an amazing wedding reception where it was like, wow. The food was wow, the lights were wow, the decorations were wow, the cake was wow. That's, that's, the marriage supper of the lamb is the reception. Just in case you put it on our terms. If you've ever been to one that just blew you away, eye hasn't seen and ear hasn't heard. Okay? So that happens, that takes place, and then look what happens next. I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness, he judges and makes war. So we see now, we see now what? The second coming of Christ. This is now Jesus coming from heaven, this time to go to earth. 
And look what it says in verse 4. Sorry, verse 14. And the armies in heaven, clothed in what? Fine linen. What are they clothed in, those that are at the marriage supper of the Lamb? Fine linen. In heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. That's the second coming of Christ. And we cannot be on the earth when that happens because it says we're in heaven. And we're in the marriage supper of the Lamb. That is going on while the tribulation is going on on this earth. Now the Bema seat also happens. I can't tell you in one night all the things that's going to happen in seven years, but I wanted to give you a glimpse of what it's going to be like and a glimpse of the fact that you're going to recognize people. And I want to show you something, one more thing important, and I don't want to ask the musicians to come because I know you'll lose this right here. Go to the next chapter, chapter 20. Notice that these chapters are in concession and they're in succession and they're following one another and we see the end of the tribulation in 18 and then in 19 we see the marriage supper of the lamb and we see the, the saints in fine linen and we see this thing going on and then we see uh, Christ coming back with us, the armies in heaven and we are going to go to war. I know that excites some people here because you haven't got to use your guns here on earth and you want to you wanna, you wanna be in war, amen? There'll be no gun laws there, amen? And we're going to be in war, but I believe Jesus is going to do most of the work. We're just going to be behind him, amen? And we're going to be in war, and the Bible says we're going to defeat the enemies at the battle of Armageddon, and then the Bible says that we're going to rule and reign for a thousand years, and before that happens, Satan's going to be thrown into the bottomless pit. He's going to be chained. He's going to be tied. He's not going to be able to be loosed like he is right now. So there will be nobody tempting and nobody, uh, no demonic forces out in the air. That's another thing we can't even imagine. And now look at verse 4. And I saw thrones, and they that sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then... I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God and who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or their hands. And look what it says. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Those are those that are going to be saved. But you need to notice that they do not participate in the marriage supper of the Lamb. The reward for being ready when the rapture happens and going to heaven at that time is we are married to, the, to Christ and we have the marriage supper of the Lamb. And you'll also see in the book of Revelation that they are clothed in white robes and we are clothed in fine linen. We even have different clothes. Musicians, you can come. So don't we have something to look forward to? Now the great thing about this whole gathering is, is when we go to conference, we got to come back and go to work and go to school. Well, this time we don't have to come back to work. We don't have to go back to school. We don't have to do anything but worship God in a resort. And a sea of crystal with all our family and friends and recognizing people and eating and getting crowns and rewards and all that good stuff. 
It's something to look forward to, church. And it won't be long till we'll be with Jesus. Amen? It won't be long. And however long it is, today we're another day closer. Amen? Now as we pray tonight, I want to throw you out something that's very interesting. In Deuteronomy, I'm going to read this to you. You all still here? All right. Listen to this. It's pretty interesting. If the marriage, you know, we think of the seven, seven years of, seven days of creation. We know that the seventh year, or sorry, the seventh day of creation in relation to us is the millennial reign, a thousand years on earth. So when we're in heaven for seven years during the tribulation, we're going to be doing all these different things. And it's very possible that, that as, as we read there, that the marriage supper of the Lamb is last, the last thing we do. Because obviously you don't have the reception before the wedding. Okay, so we're going to have, um, it, it, you, could, you could almost see how, if you don't know what the Bema seat is, I have notes on that. It's the crowns we're going to get for our works. It comes out of 2 Corinthians when, we, when we're crowned for our works and rewarded for our works. It has nothing to do with salvation. We're already there. It's the reward we get for the things we've done on earth. And the Bible says what we've done good, we'll, we'll go through and it'll be gold, silver, and precious stones. The things that we've done that were not for the Lord will we'll burn, but they will not be for our loss of salvation. They just won't be for, they will be for loss of reward. So that'll be going on. You can almost look at like a, a banquet going on. If you've ever been to a banquet for school or for a job or whatever, there's, there's ceremony, there's rewards, there's uh, all that accolades that happen. That's going to happen during this time in the beginning, probably after probably the most amazing worship service ever, okay, with billions of people. If you've ever been to a big concert and the presence of God was there, it was a glimpse of heaven. And there was probably only 15,000 people there. Can you imagine worshiping with a billion people, two billion people, three billion people, a sea of people that you can't even see the other side of? Can you imagine the feeling? Then the judgment seat will happen and then the marriage will happen. And then the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now this is very interesting. In the book of Deuteronomy, there's a, there's a story, a, a verse where it says that when, when a man marries a woman, before he goes off to war, he takes a year off to be with his wife okay now think about that how interesting that is we know a lot of these things from the old testament tie into the new if the last year of the of the seven year tribulation while they're here on earth going through the worst time of 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 what's going on in revelation we're up there having the best time in the marriage supper of the lamb that would be like a correlation to the deuteronomy where the husband is uh with his wife for a year before he goes to war because as soon as the marriage supper of the lamb's over we get on horses and we come down to heaven to go to war Isn't that interesting there's so many biblical tie-ins that make sense to what god has planned for us tonight amen what do we got to do keep our eyes on the cross keep our eyes on jesus
and let the peace that passes all understanding surround you tonight amen there is no reason listen i want to tell you tonight there is no reason if you love god and you believe in his son and you believe in what he did on the cross and you believe 100 percent in what he did for your salvation and your heart is right with the lord and you love him there is no reason for you to be afraid zero because God wants to be with you more than you want to be with him the devil's a liar the devil will torment you the devil will lie to you the devil will tell you all kinds of things but like I said before remember if you start to think am I worthy that's a lie from the devil anyways don't take the fact that says Lord count me worthy that's an attitude doesn't mean that you can actually be worthy because you can't be worthy your righteousness is like filthy rags it means an attitude of Lord keep me ready Lord keep me watching Lord keep me sober Luke 21 talks about not carousing not being drunk not being pulled down by the things of this world your focus is on the Lord even when you're at work even when you're doing things that have to do with normal life and occupy until he comes Jesus is Lord you know what's right you know what's wrong you know what's acceptable you know what's not acceptable and when those things come along as temptation to do those that are wrong you say uh-uh I'm not gonna miss out over this nope and you have self-control and the reward Jesus says in Revelation I'm coming quickly and my reward is with me my reward is with me amen father we love you tonight we worship your name Lord we believe in the cross we believe in the work of salvation that you did for us we believe tonight that you are the mighty groom Lord and that we are the bride we believe tonight Lord Jesus that you've been preparing a place for us God and Lord that you are are, are ready father and readying Lord God that place that banquet hall that that eternal dwelling Lord God where we're going to spend with you to do what we talked about tonight and Lord we thank you for your mercy we thank you for your grace we thank you Lord for the fact that it's not by might and it's not by power but it's by your spirit says the Lord of hosts and I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength